Hello, and welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast, hosted by Enterprise Management Associates, an industry-leading IT analyst research firm that provides deep insights across the full spectrum of IT and data management technologies. The Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast will take a deep dive into the security topics that are top of mind for information security practitioners, IT professionals, and technology business leaders. Join security experts Chris Steffen, VP of Research at EMA, and Ken Buckler, Research Analyst at EMA, for some truly awesome topics. Chris and Ken, take it away. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast. I am your host. My name is Chris Steffen. Joining me today is my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Buckler. Today, we are going to be talking about a topic that is top of mind for anybody who has turned on the news in the last six to nine months, and that is artificial intelligence. Sounds like we've beaten this horse pretty dead already, but the reality of it is is that it comes up something new almost every day, and I think it's critically important to stay on top of it. Not only use cases, but what others are talking about, what others are seeing, how others are implementing it, and then obviously in regards to this podcast, how it applies to security in general. So, To that end, my good friend Ken just came back from a conference on AI specifically. He's going to talk a little bit about some of that, and then we'll get into some of the best practices and what you can do and things to pay attention to. So, Ken, why don't you start us by giving us a little bit of a a summary of what you saw at the conference and what you found interesting? Yeah, so I was at the uh, the VentureBeat Generative AI Conference. And it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so there was a lot of talk about you know different use cases for generative AI, and how really we need to just start looking at generative AI as another tool in our digital toolbox. And and I, I know there's some concern that you know people are like you know AI is going to replace jobs. Well, AI is not going to necessarily replace jobs, but it'll definitely optimize the workflows for a lot of jobs. And I, a lot of talk about, uh, you know, some of the concerns with AI and, and really also how, you know, while current AI is very impressive, it's still kind of in its infancy in it, as far as its capabilities, because what, what we have right now is something that's called a large language model. And what that is, is basically it's taken a, a large amount of data and put it all into a database and pre-processed it so that the the AI can understand human text, understand when somebody types in a sentence, what that sentence means and respond accordingly. Now, with that said, it's a large generalized language model. It is not a specialized language model. So it is really just a building block for greater things in that we take that model and we start working on specialized models based upon the original concept. For example, with cybersecurity, we have uh, a, can get have a specialized model that would help analysts better understand how an attacker got into their network and compromised the network. And I, I think there's going to be some really fascinating uh, use cases that are going to come out of all this once we get beyond some of the, the initial concerns uh, regarding the usage of AI. Yeah, so let's talk that through a little bit. I know that there are any number of agencies, government agencies, corporate entities, even individuals out there. In fact, Elon Musk came out talking about super intelligence and 
how we're going to see super intelligence in the next couple of years, three years, four years, whatever it ends up being. That's great. I, I don't have any particular problem with those kind of prognostications, but what does it really mean? And one of the things that's particularly interesting to me is when you start talking about the government regulations and, and how things should be vetted and how things should be assigned. There was a great post out there towards the end of last year, term papers coming up, and it was like one out of every three papers that were submitted to this class was generated by AI. This guy put it through some kind of AI sniffer. I don't really know exactly what he did. I didn't really pay that close of attention, but basically said, rewrite this and rewrite it in handwriting because I can't trust you to take and not use a computer to write your paper. Again, you, you can make an argument that those people were taking and using the tools that were available to them to write something nonsensical and whatever have you. But the reality is, is that it's also incumbent upon those teachers to make certain that you've absorbed the material and you've actually learned something in the class. And so they, they got to take and, and combat it. And, and again, the, the way that this teacher was particularly working on it was just making his students write everything by hand. A little bit old school, a little bit crazy, but I think that's just one of the knee-jerk reactions to how we are starting to understand and deal with AI being part of almost every aspect of everything. Now, now to be fair, my teachers would have uh, you know, asked me to do that maybe once, and then once they saw my handwriting, they would have said, okay, never mind, go ahead and type it. Yeah, mine um, too, right? <laughs> I, I guarantee you, right? I mean, my handwriting is so bad, I can barely read it most days. But but also you know so now I've also heard alternative uh, approaches where uh, teachers have actually said okay hey we know that you're going to use AI we know that AI is going to become very prevalent in the workforce in the future go ahead and use the AI but then accompanying your whatever you've used uh, for AI include a separate write up talking about how you interacted with the AI and how you revised the output of the AI so that the, the output actually made more sense and was in line with uh, what you actually wanted the final product to be like. And I think that's a very interesting approach because it's a very forward-looking approach and not just a, a knee-jerk reaction that AI is, is cheating. I do too. I remember, I remember a math teacher in elementary school saying, you can't use your calculator because you'll never be a time in your life where you'll always have a calculator with you. And, you know, this long division, this doing fractions and square roots and blah, 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 and all that. It's really important to be able to do it all by hand and long division. Well, everybody today can pull up their phone, have a calculator, and you're good to go. And so should we sp be spending time taking and teaching kids long division in school anymore? Should we be spending time taking and going through how to use a slide rule? I promise you they aren't teaching slide rule in school anymore. Why? They shouldn't. You take and find out what the sine or the cosine or the tangent is through the methodology that you have using a calculator, whatever have you, and then you're good to go. The idea of using a slide rule, which my father lived and died by as an engineer, that's something that's so antiquated and so no longer relevant that they shouldn't be taking and teaching anymore, and they really don't. I believe, as you just mentioned, that AI is kind of the same way. If you have a tool set available to you in order to get your job done effectively, there is no reason to go through some kind of insane effort to not use that tool when that tool really helps your productivity. It's the same thing about memorizing a whole bunch of stats and constants and equations and so on and so forth. 
in the real world, people don't do that. You have a list of the things that you use on a daily basis. Maybe you have it posted right there next to you. The ones that you don't, you have a manual that has them right there. But the idea that you're going to a class where you're looking those up and having to memorize them, that really is not a good use of anybody's time. So, and I think that, you know, one of the most important things that we need to, to look at as far as overcoming some of the, the main objections to AI, for that matter, and, and we talked about this uh, during the conference, is the, the fact that AI needs to be explainable. And and one of the, the things that's really makes people afraid of AI right now is that it's kind of a black box in that you put you give it some input and it gives you some output, but you have no idea where that output actually came from. You have no idea where its its data sources are. So the, the best way we can approach this is to, to always have the AI include its data sources and then check those data sources. I mean, I, I have had instances where I asked AI, hey, give me some statistics on something uh, or give me some, you know, uh, official policies on something. And it gives me, you know, some very convincingly sounding information. And then I check its source that it gave me because I asked it as part of the question, give me your source. And its source did not actually exist. It fabricated the source. Now, they actually refer to it uh, during the conference as a hallucination, um, which is kind of a misnomer because it's not that the AI is really hallucinating. It's that it's doing what it was supposed to. It's generating an answer. It just might not necessarily have been an actual true factual answer based upon real data. So it fills in the blanks when it needs to. Now, well, the, it... The, and the other thing too, in that same regard is who owns the data, right? So you can take and immediately share, for, for example, in, in the work that you and I do, we generate data all the time. We, we do research, we talk to people, whatever have you. There's always the opportunity that we could upload that data that we, from a, a confirmed expert source, have created and then say, generate a report based on this data. Okay, very good, so on and so forth. But then we know who owns that data. What happens when we then use data you know, as a secondary source and find out that that data is owned by, maybe it's owned by a competitor, maybe it's owned by another company that is not the company that we're writing for or doing research for at the time. Do, do they want that data included? And the answer is almost always going to be no, right? They want to make certain that their reports are clean, their reports are authenticated and, and secured and so on and so forth. And without getting permission from third party to use that data, it might not be acceptable. Just like if somebody was using you know EMA data to take and generate their report without our permission, we would be upset about it too and, and should be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that really where AI is really going to start shining is not necessarily the the processing of data as far as you know inferring you know new meaning to the data. now don't get me wrong there will be great use cases for that but where ai is really going to shine is actually going to be humanizing the data all right and let me explain what that means so basically a lot of people that that are currently trying to use data right now are especially cybersecurity data they aren't necessarily always the most technical people if you have, you know, a, a C-level executive or a vice president who's not necessarily a technical person, but they're they're trying to understand the technical concepts, you really need a way to translate that technical data into something that that uh, 
person can actually understand who isn't a technical person. And the wonderful thing about that is if we use AI to do this, then you've got the geeks over here on the right that they understand the, the technical jargon. They manage to take that technical stuff and they put it into the AI and they ask the AI, put this in a format that the the non-technical user will understand. And the AI can do that because the AI actually has that kind of language processing skills. And that's where it's really going to shine for our industry. Yeah, I know. I've seen a lot of vendors out there that are using the large language models today to do exactly that. Instead of taking and having a vulnerability or a CVE that is in complete techno babble, and, and some of them are horribly bad, they'll take and dump that through some kind of generative AI solution that then is, are you a technical person or are you a lay person? And then spit out a summary based on that input, based on that particular dashboard. And so now all of a sudden you're democratizing that data so that more people can understand. When you talk about the impacts on security in general, one of the biggest complaints that we always hear is the complete lack of communication, the complete inability to express what's going on with security to a lay audience and AI has the potential the generative AI and the LLMs have the potential of democratizing that information so that more people can understand it. I think it's a very powerful tool and it's going to be used like that by lots and lots of different companies. So I know we're, we're running short on time here, but you know, some closing thoughts I wanted to include is that, and this is for really any industry, but once again, especially the security industry, is that don't don't look at AI as a threat to your workplace. Don't look at AI as a threat to your job. Look at it as a, another tool in the toolbox and look at it as an investment opportunity for you to enhance productivity and really help your company and your skill set grow. I said that from the very get-go. I mean, those companies that don't embrace technology are the next blockbusters, right? They're, they're the companies that don't see the technology as an innovator, as a equalizer, as a differentiator and a difference maker. And they're the ones that are going to go by the wayside. Those companies that are embracing the latest technology, AI included, are those that you're going to be hearing about the next day. And I think that's really important. So that said, uh, I think we covered this pretty well. We won't be leaving this topic alone. I guarantee you we'll be talking about this topic again, probably even again this year at some point. But again, I hope this has been interesting for you. And thank you for listening. Thanks, Chris and Ken, for all your great insights on today's topic. Make your next podcast awesome when you work with EMA security experts Chris Steffen or Ken Buckler. Educate your prospects, differentiate your solution, and add the credibility of a third-party expert to your message. Visit cybersecurityawesomeness.com to listen to past episodes.